Welcome along to the second Talk Podcast pubcast with me, Marcus Stead, and James Easton talking about this, that, and everything from the Mount Stewart, Cardiff Bay. Well, it's episode two of the Talk Podcast podcast. I'm here again, thanks to a huge amount of popular demand six, six with, with James Easton. He's with us back in Cardiff. How are you, James? Good, mate. Eight months later, innit? Eight months? When were you? February. Months, February. February, yeah. February it was. Anyway, back Nine months. Round two. Round Nine two. months and you're back round with two. us. Yeah, round so, two. So how are you, sir? I'm good, mate. Are you? I'm all right. Well, it's been an interesting interesting 2019 for both of us mm. so far. And, uh, yeah, Mr. Media Mogul over here. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's been... And, um, it's, it's been I guess what, what's the biggest change for me in 2019? Well, yeah, I'm a bit more inked up than I ever was before, wasn't I? Uh, my yeah. Three tattoos. Have you seen my latest Well, no, I, I haven't. No, listen, listen. We're, we're talking tattoos here. Yeah. And... James has had an eventful year on this front. Now, we've got to put this into some context. James is very fond of his pets, it's safe to say. And he had a dog for many years. Yeah. And he was, un- Keeve, yeah. he, he was understandably distraught when went up to dog heaven some years ago now. Yeah, was it? Three years ago, I think. Yeah, uh, and and what, 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 what breed of dog it was? It was a Finnish Lapland, uh, one of the reindeer dogs in uh, and, and how long, Finland. how long did you have the dog for? I had him for... It's been 12, 13 years. He was a long, he had a good life. Yeah. He yeah. had a good life. Hmm. And then you've got Cat Daddy AF over here now. Well, yeah, we'll come, we'll come on to that now. But, but first, first of all, let's, let's talk about this. So your first tattoo, which was in, what, the spring of this uh, year? I got it done when I got back from Japan. So I went on holiday to Japan in April. Yeah. Um, and I went on holiday to Japan in April and then I came back... Um, scared the living gajeebles out of my mum when I sent her a picture of my tattoo. Well, how did your mum react? Um, well, the good thing about it was that she she hates tattoos. So she, does my she, mum. She couldn't really hate it because it was of our dog, and she said it was a catch too for her. She said she thinks it's beautiful, and obviously, if you see a picture of it um, and you've seen it, it's a very good picture. Uh, of it, it is. It is. Nice it is a daddy. Now, my my mother feels the same way as your mother does about these things, and. I had a massive Scottish deerhound for 13 and a half years and he was enormous and he was a real character. So you're saying, I'm not going to do it, but if I had a massive tattoo of a Scottish deerhound on me, my mother might just approve. Yeah, that's it. So, you know, it's better than having it. I mean, would she approve if you put a big Welsh dragon on your head? No. No, believe me, she wouldn't. Could cover it up. But yeah, so I got it done. Found found a tattoo artist. I've been scouting around using, obviously, the modern-day version of Instagram. It's it's a way to find these people, because it's obviously a talent. And um, you've got hundreds of them in the local area and I looked at this guy called Rudy who works at a shop in Worthing where I'm from and yeah he, uh, he's done one and I was so pleased with it I mean it was amazing I mean I was apparently quite brave because well, I had it done on the, I've got it done on my calf muscle of my leg and um, from what people say that's probably one of the worst areas you can now, get now how, how painful was it? it wasn't as bad as I thought but it'd be the odd bit because when he shades the colour in it's not too bad it was the outline so like going around corners and stuff like that and it Occasionally, if you bite your lip, all I assume it's painful, but used to it. But I've now had two since, two more, mm. and whilst they weren't as painful, you're kind of used to it. But it's, it's a weird, addictive pain. Now, in th- some th- way. this is I, what I, I you hear. Know, you know me for a long time, yeah, and you know I'm an absolute wuss when it comes to things like needles. Mm. I don't like getting blood taken. I mean, for God's sake, I had to get some blood tests done in. In some time this year, the blood and, uh, test is nothing yeah. to it. Oh yeah, but mate, for me it is because uh, when I was a kid, I used to have to get blood taken a lot. So I had a, I had a 
big medical issue with mouth ulcers. I used to get them all over my mouth. It was painful and they chest me for everything. Mm. And uh, the worst time it was was when my old man came with me to hospital um, to get the blood taken and he fainted and they had to put him in a chair on oxygen. And so ever since then, he put me off it. So I had to get blood taken this year. And um, I remember I went into the doctor. And Vicky, I asked Vicky to my wife to come with me. And uh, she was just taking a mick out of me the whole journey. So you're such a wish, you're such a wish. Maybe, maybe using worse language than that, I should mm. say. Mm. And um, I put my headphones on and the nurse was like, do you want to go and lie down? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd rather lie down and sit in the chair. So I went and lay down. And I think as well, this nurse was so good because I had it done before and the last couple of times I had it done was quite brutal and it did hurt. But I think this nurse took time to actually make sure it was done gently and I actually didn't even realise it was done. I've had a blood test just once in my life and it was last year when um, I had to take a, a drug which actually did me a lot of harm called tibinafine for a fungal nail infection. Now, tibinafine is quite tough on the liver. Just liberating your dinner. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, quite, it's quite tough on the liver. Yeah, they have to make sure your liver is healthy yeah, before yeah, they start. Yeah, yeah. And that was the only time in my life I've ever had a blood, te- a blood test um, taken. And it wasn't a doctor, it was... What do they call it? The They're not even a nurse. A what? Phlebotomist? That's the one, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's a big word, isn't it? <laughs> For me, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and or I just said, look the other way. I looked the other way. To be honest, I barely felt anything at all. There was nothing yeah. to it. But uh, what did show is when she put the, um, the plaster over my arm, the next day a massive bruise appears. Now, it wasn't painful, yeah, but of course, it just... Uncomfortable. Well, it wasn't even that. It, it, just, it, it, looked, it looked so much worse than it actually was, and this was the thing. Because I've had to have it before when I think it just... Some can be quite. Vicky's had them done as well, and they've said it's quite. It can be quite brutal. A blood like, test. Yeah, but the thing is, is sometimes they just dab it in, don't they? But if they're careful and massage it and get the vein out, and they just put it in and out, and it's like that. But people say, how can you have tattoos done? But you're so scared of needles. I don't know because the thing is, is it's weird because although tattoo is, is needles, they're not. But but hang on, right? Greg Lance Watkins, a familiar voice to talk podcast listeners. We do the twenty minute topic every week, and this week's edition will be coming out on Monday. He, um, when he's had cancer on and off for 20 years, thankfully he's been clear now for the last seven years, but he blogged about it in a lot of depth and all the aspects of the treatment that were painful and not so painful. And he, he, he did a blog entry, and it's still available, about blood tests, this very issue. And he said that he would always allow the students to do the blood tests on him. Really? And because his veins had collapsed in his arm, because he'd had so many of them, he was having them every couple of days when the treatment was being... He said, I know this is going to hurt because they're students and they don't know what they're doing, yeah. but they've got to learn on someone, so it might as well He's be a brave me. Man, brave man. Well, well, yeah, but he did it. Yeah. Now, whether you or I only having blood tests occasionally would feel it in quite the same way is another matter. I think if you, I think the thing is, though, so if you had to have it on a long period, like if you treatment for medicine, you had to have it, mm. you just get used to it. Mm. Like if you have like, medical ailments, you have to have regular tests in. Yeah. You will get used to it, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you look at it, and I'd say, if you've ever had a cat, and for people that know me, and Marcus knows I'm a bit of a cat daddy, and I've got two lovely cats at home, and Marcus is quite fond of. Uh, I, well, it works both ways. They're fond yeah. of me. They, yeah, they, yeah. they sleep with yeah. me when I yeah, stay at your house. they forget cat daddy, and they go and sleep in Marcus's bed. They do, and they climb on my head and yeah. everything. But if you know what a cat's like when they scratch you, but not advertently, I'd say that's probably a little bit like what it feels like. Yeah. So then, on the matter of cats, and then the second tattoo, which is a surprise to my wife, my family, I got with my two cats, which is on my other calf. 
and I got that to deal and um, it was a day session and I was end up going to get another tattoo on the same day uh, but we ran out of time and the tattoo artist really is a quality quality guy um, he he honoured it and he's done it again recently and it was it was a, it was a football-esque tattoo have you seen the picture of it? no no, no so I know I nothing about this yesterday. thing right what's it so, of? Um, it's right so for those that know I, I love my football my main love of life is Charlton Athletic who we can talk about later about what I, what something that happened in May this year, which Marcus was watching on TV, which was one of the best days of my life. Obviously, apart from my wedding, obviously apart from when I got my cats, just so my wife knows that quite nicely. Um, but it was um, Charlton's logo is a sword, and I didn't want a sword, just a token football tattoo, if I like England across the belly or something like that, or you know, like in that Tudor writing. Which apologies if anyone listening has got that, but it's not my Don't taste. apologise. We so, just we just you know, speak whatever, our minds whatever, whatever. I hate them. Then I think they're awful. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm just getting the picture up now on my phone from Marcus. Right, James is James is yeah, so he's getting, getting, getting pictures out. I think I'm about I'm about to see that Charlton Athletic logo yeah. as a sword. But where is I, this I on your body? This, by is, the this way. is on the sort of left hand side of my leg, so it's round from the dog tattoo. Right. It's just on the left hand side, so it's on the outer leg. But I wanted it so it wouldn't be as obvious as a tattoo. Mm. But Marcus, here it is now, and say what you think about it. That is that is a fine piece of art. That is actually. Yeah. But could, what, why would you think that could be related to Charlton? Like it's not obvious, like Charlton. Right now, now I'm going to describe this as best I can. It's a sword with sort of what looks like a. Ru- it's disappeared now. You're going to have to turn your phone oh, back. Bloody security settings. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's sort of, sort of <laughs> rose, rose, not roses, yeah. and so you got that and Charlton, and who? This is a tough one. It's but the colours the, 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 the colours are very intense and what is the colours well it's, 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 char- it's, it's yeah. Charlton Charlton's yeah. colours yeah so you see the logo there you've got the uh, you've got the sword in the way it is and Charlton's logo yeah you got that you got the sword and that was it but if you know what I mean I didn't want it being the token obvious mm. like just the sword or the logo of the club I wanted it to be different so mm. you can kind of match in but I know what it's about mm. and I think it is because I've always thought now the next thing is what I need to get next I was talking to my tattoo artist yesterday is obviously for those that we listened to the original podcast in February you know we talked about my, my new love for a club local to me Worthing FC which are in non-league yeah. and you know for a fact that their logo is three fishes three mackerel fishes indeed yeah the mackerel men now that's going to be interesting because a mackerel is a very colourful nice fish in terms of looking at it I can't believe I'm talking about fish and call them beautiful to be honest they are they are I reckon you could probably do a oh what could you do you could you could probably do it but make it quite colourful but how would I I don't want a random fish on my leg and we were talking about it, we were talking about it, because I think the thing is with tattoos is I would always get them done for something that's close to my heart or something that's about my life. So mm. whether it's my job as a, a flight attendant around the world, whether it's my love of some sort of sport, you know, things like... And we were talking about ways you could do it, because I think I always want to get tattoos. I wouldn't just get them for the random fact. You know, I'd get them for any sort of... I wouldn't get them for any reason, like, but I would get them for something close, close to my heart. So... What would the next one be like? But because of work, I can't have them on my arm like a sleeve. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting a leg sleeve done, which will be eventually sort of tell a story and it will be linked to my leg. Yeah. So that's that. But yeah, um, so I'm pleased with them. Let me ask you something, because you, you make a very, very good point there about tattoos and the, the importance of keeping them hidden. Now, we all know people who've gone too far with this sort of thing and end up with tattoos on their necks and on their arms and so forth. Uh, yeah, yeah, and somebody else as well. James is, is mouthing names at me at the moment. And Marcus is mouthing expletives back at me in uh, between those sentences, yeah. 
that person. Yeah, that, that, okay. we know who we're talking yeah. about. And I, you end up with a situation where you cannot cover them up. And then it can affect your employability That's, and your mm. status in society. How will you know when to stop? The thing is, is at the end of the day, they're expensive to do because they are a piece of art at the end mm. of the day. You know, it's not just going on Google and finding me. Mm. People do go on Google and get things and say, I want this on me. But my, my tattoo artist has designed each of those tattoos himself for me. So they are special to me. They're not mass produced like you go get a t shirt. Mm. Um, it's, it, it, I can't just go and blow hundreds and hundreds of pounds. No, no. But I mean, it's interesting you say that because my, my employers are looking currently at a new uniform design oh. and they are discussing future standards of uniform, how to wear it. And I've mentioned a couple of times that I think nowadays a lot of companies and things are. Um, should I say they're more lenient towards some of these designs of tattoos and you do get people on show whereas in the past but my line of profession I don't think they would allow it mm. but I mean I would always, I would never do something where I couldn't cover it up because I wouldn't want to wear a long sleeve shirt I mean I could cover it up with a long sleeve shirt but some of the places I go to can you imagine wearing a long sleeve shirt in 30, 40 degree heat yeah but you also work for a company where it's a premium product yeah. that you're offering and people so, do expect certain and then standards people, and people say like where do you draw the line because obviously some tattoos could be deemed as rude mm. but nothing will fit some people have naked legs on there mm. would that cause offence to some countries you'd go to something like that mm. so it's a very it's a very close to heart subject well, because well, people, oh, people can, can, can we talk a little bit about Japan there because one, oh, yeah. one, one, one of the things myself up if I ever want to go into a sauna or a pool in Japan one, one of the things they were saying very very clearly to Welsh rugby fans we just had the Rugby World Cup is if you are going to Japan to football you cover up your tattoos because yeah. in Japanese society tattoos are not only offensive they have some quite unpleasant connotations or was it the triads or the, 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 Yeah, the gangs. Yeah, it's, the gangs. A, it's something the gangs do. I mean, it's, I didn't have them when I went to yeah. As I said, I got my first one after. Um, but I know if I'd gone to any of the... Um, I can't remember the Japanese name for them, but the saunas. Mm. I probably wouldn't have been allowed in. even I wouldn't Because you have to have everything off. And this is something area. people need to be aware of. Now, for example, if you go to certain Caribbean islands where there, for example, is a conservative Christian culture, which there are in some of them, and the rules are your wife is expected to cover her shoulders. I'm afraid whether you agree with it or whether you don't, you are in their country and you have to follow their rules. Now, that's fine. She can put something over her shoulder. She can take it off again. With tattoos, you're stuck with them. Mm. And it becomes much more of an issue. That's, that's where it, And that's why I think if you're going to get a tattoo, you need to have it for something that means something to you. Don't just get it for sake. Don't go on your lad's holiday and get a Magalhaes of 2019. <laughs> you know, it's like me and Marcus went out on the lash tonight. Proper went on the lash. He said, oh, Marcus, I want to get I Love Marcus on my bum. Mm. I wouldn't, how much I love Marcus. But people do it, don't they? People they do, do it, and they you say never regret it. And you see people covering them up or having to cover up years on end. I've seen people that get it when they're 18 or even younger than that, mm. just get it because they think that's all that. But mm. that's why I've always, I've gone bold and quite big with mine. Mine's like, mine's are traditional tattoos, yeah. they're not <laughs> realist tattoos. But who knows what's next? I will know what I want next. Mm. Um, you you will also know problem. when you run out of skin in places where you can cover it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that'll be a long way away. I ain't going to be like some of these reality TV stars that have got everything everywhere. Mm. You know that thing. But, you know, it's a, I've just surprised Marcus on my visit, my, my second visit yeah, to Wales I've, 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 I've learned something new. He's had a child yeah. athletic tattoo. But we do see people who I think, when they, they have very prominent tattoos in very prominent places, I think there is, there is an, there's an element of addiction, point one, and I think there's also an element of attention-seeking and some quite deep psychological issues there. Some people, some people, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the... Um, 
the attention seeking, yes, because some people are like, you know, watch me, 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 me. But also, some do it close to their heart. You know, some that's a way of remembering people. Mm. Like uh, one of my best mates, Simon, who Marcus knows quite well, he, he's talked about it after since getting my tattoo. He's talked about it. He's always thought about doing a tribute to his nan. Mm. People do that because it's a way of remembering him. And you know, yeah. If you want to do it. And I agree with that. But yeah, sometimes they can go overboard. Sometimes they can be silly. But if you always stick to the motto of, I'm doing it for a specific reason, mm. not just for the sake of it, I think it's it's plausible and it's, it's a thing but it's also expensive but you look but do your research a, a, a conversation I had with um, a former colleague of yours going back to your days at Leicester Square Simon Bates the other day now Simon got on a train and he was travelling from Devon where he lives and you know, it's always potluck who you get stuck next to on trains as we, we've all got stories he said he got stuck next to a bloke who had love tattooed over one hand on the fingers and hate tattooed on the others now that's about as cliched as it gets so you know and, what I'd have though love cats <laughs> yeah and you've got enough fingers you've got the right number of fingers for that yeah you, you have but Simon Bates said, you know, you could tell this is the sort of person I probably don't want to strike up a conversation with on a train. You, could, you, you sort of get that feeling, don't you? I think the only time I'd get a tattoo on my hands was if I was doing a job that involved manual labour yeah. and I'd tattoo my wedding ring on in terms of like my wife's name around there because then yeah. I could wear, wear the ring around my neck or something like that. But if it was a mechanic or something and you can't wear a wedding ring, I would probably do something like that to show my own. <laughs> it's a funny thing you mentioned wedding rings because they actually weren't that common until about World War II. Uh, possibly World oh, War II, yeah. more specifically World War II, because people were being separated from their wives for potentially an extended period of time. And they weren't that common before that period. Now, I know a journalist, quite a well-known journalist, and he's been married for not far off 40 years now, and he chooses not to wear a wedding ring. There's no conspiracy. He just chooses not to wear one, and, and he's on television. And this has happened a few times. There's been a Twitter storm. Is your marriage in trouble? Are you separated? He's not separated. They're perfectly happy. He just doesn't particularly like wearing jewellery. There never has been a conspiracy. But th- this is what gets people talking. It's just... funny, though, because since I've been married, I've just had my fifth wedding anniversary. God knows how she put on me for that long. I do wonder, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, eight years today, actually. I met her for the first time, so God knows how she put on this. And I'm, I'm sitting with my best mate drinking in a pub in Cardiff. But, hey, um, but... Since I put it on five over five years ago, I barely notice it's there sometimes, mm. Mm. and it's funny. It really is weird because you don't notice it. It's not like it's like wearing a watch. Yeah. You sometimes, and then you're like, shit, where is it? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I've lost my watch. Mm. No, I haven't. It's right there. But you yeah. forget. You know, it's like my wedding ring because sometimes it, it's quite easy. Mm. But uh, there's certain people in maybe certain career professions around the world. I will name no names. That you see a suntan ring around when they're down a certain place in the world. Mm. Marcus probably knows what I'm talking about. I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot, but leave that to your imagination. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mark of respect. Like, you know, my dad's never taken that ring off once since he yeah. put it, this is when yeah. I put it on the finger. Um, oh God, I think nearly 30 years ago now. You know, I think, no, it must be long. That's more 31. than that, yeah. 32, 33 years yeah. ago, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so. You but know, but some, some people do, some people don't. Yeah. Uh, it's like the case of this journalist, there's no disrespect there at all. He just chooses not to wear one because he's not a fan of jewellery. Have you seen inside of my ring? You might not have I, I haven't, no. Well, let, let's have a look. Right, so Vicky engraved this for me. Right, let me. I'm not in the best of lights to see this, so I'm going to do my best to explain it to our listeners. And it says, and this really isn't the best of lights, it's an X. Let's get it around the right way. So. Read it from there. I'm, I'm doing my best. It's not the best. It says, Day of my life, X. Happiest day of my oh. life. He missed the happiest. Oh. There it is. It does say that. 
so that was nice. But then you look at my finger happiest, now, happiest day of my life. Look how weird my finger looks because it's kind of like yeah, your little your little finger is is yeah. Or as Vicky calls them, my dick fingers. <laughs> All right, keep it clean. Keep it clean. I, I, I tell you what, and I'll, I'll let the listeners into this secret. We got to keep it clean because if we start swearing on iTunes, we get recategorized. Naughty, naughty. I don't want that because no, because no, no. our podcasts are cleaner. Well, I do apologise. It's when Marcus plies me with alcohol. You know, I'm anyone's game. There, well, that, right, right, right. Now, now, guys. No, 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 no. This southern softy, right? He had one can in my flat, and he's had he's on his second pint here, and this is over quite a long period of time. So. Well, when, do we, when do we crack open? We cracked open on my way today. I, it's I, only, I, about, I, only about six o'clock. I would usually pick up Marcus's favourite English brewery, I'd say, is um, Dark Star. It is, Dark Star in, in Sussex. In Sussex, yeah. in a Sussex, place called yeah. Partridge Green, which is next to a place where I used to live called Henfield. I used to go there a lot. I don't live there anymore, so you know, people don't know. I live, I've I been I live there, it's the a good day to Worthing. Um, but normally I'd pick him up, a, we'd normally have a mini keg, five litre keg, I'd bring with him to uh, polish off over the sort of course of two or three nights when we're here. Mm. Um, but looking at the drive today, I mean, the weather's pretty awful outside. It's poor refrain here, it's poor refrain where I left early at 12 o'clock from my home. Um, the traffic, if I'd gone by the brewery of Dark Star, it would have been an extra hour or so. So I probably then would have hit rush hour and then would have probably only been turning up probably about two hours after I arrived at Marcus's, which I didn't really fancy after a three and a half hour drive. So tiny red boy Newport where mm. me and Marcus visited last time on a trip there's a there's a nice little video on my YouTube channel where you can watch our little weekend which I've got to do now anyway aren't I so doing another one but yeah we um, we had a good little uh, good little good little tour we didn't have a tour we just sat there but you could see them bottling and everything you right, I, I, let, let's, let's be clear about this because this is quite good the tiny rebel brewery for those of you who are into your real ale its reputation is growing quite quickly, not just locally but across the United Kingdom. Because where James lives, he attends Worthing FC matches. They no, are now it's not, not a Worthing FC; it's in one of the bars in Worthing. One so of the one of the bars yeah, in Worthing. They've got a couple of couple of, oh, I think oh, couple of places. Got okay, okay, Kutch, okay. Kutch, the famous, famous Welsh word. Nice Welsh word. There, Marcus wants a little Kutch on I, the sofa. I, I, I walk past a house in Pontypridd quite often. And they've got a big thing in their windowsill, in their front window, and lots of people must pass it every day. It says, anyone can cuddle, but only the Welsh can kutch. Wasn't that when we went to the um, St. Fagans last time? St. Fagans. St. Fagans, that was it. <laughs> St. Fagans, and they yeah. had it in the shop, didn't they? Like, they, they yeah, you, you see them everywhere. But I, it was I, like, wasn't it the Monopoly letters or something? It said C-W-T-C-H or something, that was it. Yeah, yeah it, it's a very, very Welsh word. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I went and picked up some uh, a multi-pack of cans for us to get through. We've already had one or two tonight. Yeah. So we had one at home, we'll probably have another one when we get in. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we hit that, the hay for night, but I, I, picked up from Tiny Rebel, so it's, it's good Welsh beer. So... Um, and I guess it's not it's quite accessible for everyone now to try it so Tiny Rebel mm. if you're it's, listening its reputation is growing if you're listening you need us to do any taste test for you I mean we could do yeah a live, we can help we, we can, can do help. a live uh, Rebel cast we could call it or something like that but I'm, I'm pretty sure so they now, want to do I'm a pre- sponsorship I'm pretty sure they're now uh, a little but it's, bit it's, it's a good it's afternoon out isn't it to go yeah. to their place I mean, you could, we did that on the way back from Big Pit wasn't it the the big, we, went, we had to see the Big Pit Colliery which is also a very very good trip to go on isn't it you know this because I said to James when he was down here in February he did the last pubcast 
I said you are going down a coal mine because it's something to experience. And oh, and it was. I just, I just, I mean, not that it would have brought anything out, but I wish I could have taken a camera or something down there because, yeah. it, I mean, as Marcus said to me, you'll, it'll probably be the only time in your life until you die, which obviously you would not know about, you'd experience real darkness. Mm. Yeah. And honestly, when we were down black. in the mines and they switched the light out and closed the door, oh my God, it was actually almost quite uncomfortable because you couldn't even see your hand yeah. and if you're at home or something your lights are you could always see something yeah James has referred to something light. quite wonderful that happens you, you go down the big pit and I've done it twice now and you're down there and at one point in the middle of the tour that you've got your, 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 lamp, your lamp on your head your right. minus helmet on they say now we're going to turn our lights off and it is the most dark thing you will ever see pitch black yeah. there is absolutely nothing you can't see your hand you can't see your fingers it's almost very disorientating isn't it it's like you kind of feel yeah. it's disorientating you feel like weird. and then you think about what he said to you next about people working yeah kids as well little kids. children they would have to shut the doors and stuff, yeah. wouldn't they? And, uh, <laughs> but on this, this, this adventure of Wales, we're going to go and see the uh, Royal Mint tomorrow. Which is, have you been before? No, I've never. Well, the thing right. is, I'm, 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 I'm taking... No, good grief, no. I think uh, the visitor centre was reopened. It was reopened it was re -opened because yeah. it was expanded, I think. But it's a very personal thing for me in a way because the whole land, Tristan area, that's where my grandfather lived for his whole life. And on the top of the hill there is where he's buried, and you'll see the hill and you'll see the church there. Oh, cool. He's buried there, my grandmother on my father's side's buried oh, there, nice. and my great grandmother, and they're all buried in that churchyard. Yeah. I very rarely go to that part of the world these days. Um, but the mint has been there for a long, long time. It's, it's not successful for you because you don't obviously drive. No, and it, it, it's not. It transports a bit of a nightmare. It, 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 it is, but it, it's a very personal part of the yeah. world because I know it very well, but I don't get to go there very often anymore. Right. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to this, but there's a poignancy to it as far as I'm concerned as well. And it'll be a good tour because the money in your pocket and the money in anyone listening to this pocket, certainly in the UK, is made in the Royal Mint in Lantrisson. And I read as well that if we wanted to, we can cast our own 50p pence there. Did you know that? How much is that going to cost? It's uh, a six, lot. A six, six quid, I think, here. Yeah, so a lot. paying six quid for 50p piece, but you could say I made that. So we might have to wait and see what it's like and see if it's interesting. But yeah, it's a way of them getting but a few As my quid wife out. said to me yesterday, I said to her, she goes, only you would pay six pounds for a bloody 50p yeah. piece. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's true. I, I know a good exchange rate when I see one, don't that's you like going, That's like going to the airport with manifest times. Like You're going to get one of then, these. Um, I, I love you. Coins Coin, made. Yeah, yeah, no, I am cringe like that, but an old romantic at heart. You, know, you are, you are, actually, but, um, more so than I, I think am. then after that, I'm going to somewhere that I always wanted to go and see, which I never heard of, being a fan of Gavin and Stacey. And we're going to Barry, Barry Island. And we're going to go and see a Welsh League football match tomorrow night. We are, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this as well, because obviously we talked in the first pubcast about non-league football. We talked about it in quite some depth. And let me ask you something. In terms of standard of play... How do you think what you're going to see tomorrow will compare to what you see at Worthing? I think it'll be quite similar. I, 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 it's hard to say because I've never ever... I mean, you've sent me the link over on S4C. They've said a uh, lot like, of uh, Friday or Saturday night game we've had on TV. And I've not really watched it because it's not the best coverage or anything like that. But I would think probably the same level is of non-league football. The thing is, is whether it will be as good. Because obviously I watch Worthing FC, who are in the Ivesman... Premier but, League, which is but the, you've got um, you've got a top top of the table clash here, yeah, haven't you? which is a league, but but it's a league below um, the Conference South or what's it called now? The uh, we've got the National League, National which is South. The first. So it's yeah. National South is we're the league below that. So if we get from this year, we're actually in the playoffs at the moment. But Worthing and a lot of teams around there are quite. They've got a lot of 
youth players from that have been maybe released from Brighton. There's quite a few of the squad that play for our youth who are in this thing. You've got also ex-footballers. We've got people from um, one of the players um, is from Stoke. He used to play for Stoke. So we get do a track. So it depends. And I, it, I'm almost going into unknown. I've, I've deliberately not looked up anything about it. So I want to have a real natural experience. You know, I don't want to. It's kind of like when I first went to Worthing. I didn't really look it up. All I looked up was where the address in the ground was. And mm. I just went. And as you as, as we spoke about in the first one, we know that it's really. Um, there's a rawness to it that I love and you know if an authenticity do you know if we can have a beer next to the pitch and I, I, I don't know well we're going to Jenner Park which yeah. is a, a, a relatively small athletics ground yeah. in Barry, but it's also been the home of the club in all, all its various guises for more than 100 yeah. years there'll be a cupboard stand but there will be an athletics track separating us from the pitch which is a little bit unfortunate yeah. but a bit annoying though but what can you do nothing to do about it uh, it, it primarily is an athletics functioning stadium yeah. and that, that's what it does um, you've got to bear in mind that uh, obviously we've got Pennebont, which is the Welsh word for Bridgend, who are tomorrow night's opponents, who are top of the league, I believe. Yeah. Oh, you've done more research than me, I think. Yeah. And the way it works is this it's only a, a league of 10 teams. Everyone plays everyone else twice, but that only takes you to the early spring. Then the league splits in two. Like Scotland does. Yeah, it splits in two at that point. And then everyone plays everyone else again. And then the winner of the league has the opportunity to get in the preliminary rounds of the Champions League. And then the team that finishes second is in the Europa League, and as indeed is the winner of the Welsh so Cup. Good to see. So, so this this will be a decent. Uh, okay, I think Penabon, if I remember it rightly, because I'll be honest, I don't follow the, the Welsh Premiership that closely. And they're mainly North Walian teams. It's just pure chance that tomorrow we've got two South Walian teams. Um, so I'm looking for this because I've, I've seen Barry Town play once before um, in the previous guys, but in the old club as yeah, it was, you said, yeah. and it was um, the, one of the, the old the old days of the Welsh Cup. Now, this used to be a very good pub quiz trivia question, but I don't know how up to date the information is. Certainly, 15 years ago, this was correct. Things may have changed; they may not. I'm not sure. The British club that has qualified for Europe. Pretend it's 15 years ago. The British club that has qualified for Europe more than any other is Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Who's second? He'll be dancing in the streets of TNS tonight. The answer? Cardiff City. Oh, really? Because Cardiff City kept winning the Welsh Cup. The old Welsh Cup as was. Where you had the three or sometimes four, depending on what year you're going in. Um, Welsh clubs playing in the professional English pyramid those who were in the non-league system and the Welsh Premier League or the League of Wales as it used to be now they were all in the pot now I went to two finals in the old National Stadium in Cardiff where the Principality Stadium now stands two years in a row once was Cardiff City against Barry Town and once was Cardiff City against Sunny Rill and um, I remember the Rill final sticks in my head more than the Barry Town final yeah because the real goalkeeper looked like Rod Stewart. Oh, and really? Yeah. The hair and everything, yeah. <laughs> and we were all chanting stuff at him all the way through it, this poor bloke. It is, um, um, I think the thing that's quite funny as well when you talk about Cardiff City is uh, my first love, Charlton, as we always talk about that too, actually playing Cardiff this weekend. Yeah, Saturday at the Valley. At the Valley. Yeah, at the Valley. I mean, it would have been perfect timing if it had been here because I might have been able to drag Marcus to the state. Well, he probably would have dragged me to the end to the Cardiff City yeah end. getting beaten up we saw yeah, it I'd have just been quiet when uh, we spanked you about 20-0 but well, that's not going to happen because apparently you know, we've got a new manager now mate we've got a new manager Millwall reject and, yeah. uh, and they can't even Cholton apparently not even be able to feel the bench tonight is that right how many injuries they've got oh 
Ouch. So it could be. A well, get your kit on, James. Well, uh, yeah, Show off your I, tattoos. I could, to be fair, it'll be a uh, it'll be an interesting thing. But you know, I think we needed the international break. But we're not here to talk about Charlton. No, no, no. And, we, so uh, we go go back to where we were a moment ago, then, because we used to have this Welsh Cup tournament, and uh, the winner of the Welsh Cup got a place in the old UEFA Cup, or was it the Cup Winners Cup, or probably both? Probably of, the Cup Winners Cup. And yeah, right. it probably changed a bit over the years. No, it wasn't the Cup. The Cup. The I Cup lose. Winners Cup used to be the winner of the FA Cup used to get into it yeah 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 the winner of the old Coca-Cola Cup yeah. or Rumblers used was to go into the UEFA was the Cup Winners Cup all of the other like around Europe the equivalent competitions yeah. of your Premier Cup competition so you get the uh, you know Copa del Rey well, well based on that then because the um, the Welsh Cup was the Premier Cup competition in Wales that would explain it and then in the end it turned out that the FAW had to ban all those in the English pyramid from playing in the Welsh Cup yeah. but when I, I used to go to those finals I went two years in a row it was called the Albright Bitter Welsh Cup now all, Albright Bitter <laughs> it was it was brewed in um, the old Bass Brewery in Cardiff as was was that all Tony's or Brains? Brewery? No, no, no. Well, because Brains used to be on Caroline Street. Yeah, and then they've they, now got the and, brewery and, and, quarter there. Uh, uh, no, no. Yeah, Brains used to be on Caroline Street. Behind Central Station was the old Bass Brewery. And it was Welsh brewers who got bought up by Bass. And um, what happened was when Bass eventually moved all their operations to a single site in England, and then Brains left Caroline Street went to the old bass site and the brewery court was built on Caroline Street so Brains Factory not the one they're in now because they've left that was the old bass one yeah well, okay, the old yeah. Welsh brewers so to what be happened specific. to Albright well Albright was part Albright, of, the, Welsh, was part of the, the, Welsh, the Welsh brewers and they used to call it busman's beer because you could it was so weak you could drink it and still do a busman's shift as a bus driver so is it not made anymore then do they, right do they keep I'm the coming brand? on to this we thought it disappeared about 25 years ago yeah when, uh, when Bass bought it up and Bass moved all their main operations to England, somewhere in England or other, and they got rid of the less prominent brands. However, I'm hearing stories that someone in the valleys has started up all brought again. Have a little Google. Yeah, have, a, have a Google of that, because they used to call it Busman's Beer because it was weak. And it's, it's a type of... Um, I'm just hearing that in, in valleys pubs, Albright Bitter. Albright Bitter, here we go. Here we go. Come on, James. Albright Bitter. Tell us all about it. Keg at the Cambrian Hotel, Aberystwyth. Right, yep. So it's, it well, does... Well, I mean, you look at Untapped, which is the app for beers, and it's only got a 2.5 Yeah, Yeah, Busman's one. Beer. Busman's Beer, yeah. Um, it doesn't, to be honest, it doesn't say anywhere that I can't really say. I mean, there was a, bl- a rape beer thing on the 19th of March 2017. It says there was a keg... Keg. Uh, it was marketed in England as Toby. Toby. Um, Ke- uh, this was March 1927, but I don't know if this is today. But it said Keg at the Cambrian Hotel, Aberystwyth, copper beer, small head, and decent lacing. Aroma of light malts, taste as malts and marbling hops. Okay, but that could be an old one. That could be someone that wrote. Someone years ago. somewhere in the valleys is brewing a beer, a beer called Albright, following a very, 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 that, yeah. very similar recipe to the original. Um, I tell you what's back, by the way, and again, I'm testing your memory. This is where being just a little bit younger than younger than me might count against you. Do you remember Hofmeister? Follow the bear. Hofmeister were the no, no, famous no. 1980s advert. Um, a big bear walks into a pub, orders a pint. No, it, it, would be, it would be it would be it would be considered slightly chauvinistic nowadays because <laughs> the, the way he speaks to the women in it. Hofmeister, follow the bear. Um, anyway, it, that disappeared in the early 2000s, and it's now reappeared. 
as a continental strength lager. Oh, really? And you go on the Hofmeister website, and it's got a certain number of um, places in England. I don't think it's any in Wales that are selling it on tap. Yeah. But you can buy it in bottles in this country. So, guys, Hofmeister is back. Oh, Follow- right. Have you seen it anywhere, though? No, but you can buy it online. Really? And you can buy it on tap in a very specific number of bars. Right. I'm maybe hunt one out this week. Follow the bear. Follow the bear. That's what they used to say. So you, you, we're in for a new experience because um, tomorrow evening, what we're going to be watching, the uh, Welsh Premier League football. It's a mixture of um, semi-professional. Are they class as semi-professional? Yeah, club? they yeah, are. So they are. Full-time. They are. I've always wondered, like, what I'd love to know, like, even Worthing stuff. I mean, some of them do like things like personal training, but I'd love to know what they actually do in their day-to-day jobs. Because mm-hmm. you don't really publicize. I'm not going to go, "Oh, mate, what do you do as a job?" And then I'll. I'll yeah, that's a bit embarrassing. Mate, but, mine know. used to play for Barrytown. Really? Yeah, what mate, was his well, other job then? Right, he now, I bumped, again, we, we, we haven't fallen out, we drifted apart. Yeah. Um, he, he was a Cardiff City youth team, played a handful of games for Cardiff City. He let go by them. Um, he played non-league in the English pyramid at national league level. Then he was snapped up by Barrytown. And he played for them for a long time. Um, and then... He's working for an electricity company oh, really? now. Yeah, he's working for an electricity company. As a lecky or trading uh, or just uh, an actual company? An office man, an office man in, in a, one of the major electricity well, companies. Well, it's funny, I was, um, it's saying you funny say that about Cardiff City because I'm reading a book and it escapes me what it is. I was reading it on holiday and I haven't actually continued it since getting back from holiday because I was I've only about a quarter of the way through, but it was about how the beautiful game is has changed so much. Mm. Um, and a lot of these clubs, it was a very, oh God, it's annoying me, I'll have to have a look it up in a second, but it was basically saying how there's so much time vested in these youth talents, and then when someone new comes in doesn't like them, they just drop like that, and they, the kid doesn't know what to do because he's been brought up, and it, it was quite an interesting story because they say you get to 18, and all you've ever focused on is football, yeah. and then all of a sudden, boom, bye-bye, and they can't find another club. What do they do? And it's like how the game just chews them up and drops them out and don't care. Can I can I say somebody I know quite well was affected quite badly by that yeah. um, some years ago. But Alex Ferguson, if you read Alex Ferguson, he's written several, well, at least two autobiographies. He says that, that the hardest part of his job always was letting youth players go, and he said that was by far the. Never mind all the big egos and the hundred pound, hundred thousand pound a week salaries and everything else that went with it. The hardest, <coughs> pardon me. The hardest part of Alex Ferguson's job was saying to youth players, "You are not going to make it at Manchester United. I'm going to have to let you go." And it's awful. Well, isn't it? well, Sir Alex will tell you that. And he's and players who've been let go by him. I've I've read testimonies of theirs online. And he said he always gives you a big hug, and he always says whether you move on to the lower leagues or whether you move on elsewhere, you can always guarantee a good reference from me. Here's my number. I'll always help you out. But you don't really get that anymore, do you? I don't really but, care. But I think actually saying that that Pep Guardiola at Man City, he does take a vested interest, and I'm pretty sure he 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 takes part in at least one session a week with their youth teams. Well, do you know and what? I'm sure he takes it's it's in your interest personally. to do so because if you if you think about it now, right, that great great team Alex Ferguson had from 1992 onwards. A very the nucleus of it certainly came through the, the Manchester United Youth Academy. So if you have the resources to build up an academy of talented players from your local area, you should do it. Well, you look at um, well, you look at one of the players as well. Like obviously um, Frank Lampard's 
Chelsea's manager mm. and obviously he's have they got a transfer ban I think at the moment haven't they or something like that I think have they got a transfer ban I'm pretty sure they've um, got well, for, the, <coughs> for the legalities of this neither of us are actually sure so no no yeah, yeah no I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they have but they can, they, they're using a lot of their own homegrown talent mm. um, but one of their players that's loaned to us Conor Gallagher mm. I promise you he's going to be a future massive star he's going to be a world star mm. he's only 19 he's never played a league before mm. he was only in Chelsea's youth squad he's their youth player of the year and he's absolutely smashed it for Chelsea and if he can do it at quite a high level which the championship is a very competitive level as you but, know yeah but you make an important point there you make an important point because you look at what Alex Ferguson did there that team he had that won mm. at least half a dozen Premier League titles probably more than that actually the nucleus of it the Neville brothers Paul Scholes particularly Paul Scholes I think is an incredibly underrated world class midfielder in the true sense of the oh, word yeah. I really rate Paul Scholes very I love that class of 92 yeah. so you've got the Neville brothers Paul Scholes Nicky Butt Beckham. De- Beckham came from Spurs of course yeah but it happened David, other players like I think David May as well came through, through that system but you, ha- you had this, this nucleus of a team that were all from the youth team but even Ryan Giggs alright he's a Cardiff boy originally but a one club man his whole career yeah this is a solid team of very, very good players who, who came through the academy system. So I'm saying to people is, whether you're, a club, whether you're in London or Manchester or whatever, if your club can have an academy system, for crying out loud, look at what's on your own doorstep. Yeah, and that's what annoys me. And I think you know, that's maybe where they need to change in the leagues and they need to start playing with youth players because they're also missing out. I mean, I think there's nothing better when you see... And the sad thing is, is a club like Charlton, with an owner like we've got, and to be honest, he's mellowed a bit this year. I so, you know, he's actually let us sign a few players. But when a youth player from Charlton plays good, he's bye bye. Mm. Look at Joe Gomez. Mm. He was Charlton. Mm. And look, he was just in that massive big ruckus this week yeah, about we know him about and Raheem that. Sterling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was all over the press. And he's he's Charlton youth. Scott Parker. Back in the day, he went too early, and he kind of—I don't think he did the best for his career. Well, he went well, and sat well, warm the bench at Chelsea. Well, yeah, but Scott, uh, Scott Parker was a great player. He was, and he went on—he yeah. went on to play well for clubs like Fulham, mm. who were into a Premier League staple like Charlton were for many years. Mm. But also, you know, look at the over years—you've got you obviously got Joe yeah. Gomez. Um, you had, um, oh God, you know, when you think of it at the top of your head, you can't really think. I'm just trying to think of some other ones you, we've got. But, but the, 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 the basic point, point, is, point is, is that the big clubs will come in and buy them, yeah. and then almost nurture them. The one of the famous ones at Charlton was Jermaine Defoe. A lot of people don't know he was mm. now from Charlton. But the, the, the point being, if you have the resources to put together a youth academy, for crying out loud, you could have a nucleus of your mm-hmm. team as Sir Alex did. That was another one. Sorry, Joe Aribo this summer. Yeah. He was one of the key players in our playoff final. Yeah, best day of my life in Met. But you, you, you've got he's gone to Rangers, mm. but absolutely. And the thing is, the way the compensation works because he was the age. If he'd gone to a club in the in, in England, mm. we would have paid a lot more money in compensation. But because he went to Scotland, he got we got paid a pittance. Mm. And you think because of contracts, he's an amazing player has gone, and it's but, a shame. But but to go back to where we were a moment ago about this business of letting players go. Brian Clough is one of my favourite managers of all time and I read his last, the last book yeah. he wrote before he died when he was in old age and he was reflecting on his life and he said he was always a little bit wary whenever he managed of getting a little bit too close to the players because he said you don't want to get too close to them if you're secretly trying to get rid of them and he said that there was always a slight element of un- unpredictability and that you come into training in the morning you never quite know what mood he was going to be in now generally he'd give you Mondays off after, after the match Sometimes he give you Tuesdays off. And one of his ex-players, I think it was John McGovern, told a story of um, 
he, he said he gave us Wednesdays off. And then on the Thursday, he thought, they, all the players turned up for training. He thought, oh, he's, he's going to work us hard today. He's going to work us hard. Today's going to be rough. And um, Brian Clough walked in. He said, hiya, guys. Morning, boys. I've um, brought the dogs with me. Let's go for a walk along the Trent. And all he did is he walked, <laughs> walked them along the River Trent through, through the woods and through the countryside. But there was always that element of unpredictability. And other days, he would say, morning training session. Oh, by the way, I want you back at 2 o'clock this afternoon. We're going to have another one. Yeah. It's just that element of unpredictability. And he was successful, wasn't he? Was well, well, look, he got them from the old second division to the old first division. And Champions League. Uh, he won the old first division. Then he got them into the, what we now call the Champions League, what was then the European Cup the next season. Won it. Then won it again the following season. Because that was an incredible right, in, story. In the right, I'd say the only thing in recent times that we've seen is that is the Leicester. The, the Leicester story, but... but it, look how good Leicester are doing again. Well, I, I know. Well, the Leicester story, again, we have to... I don't think we'll see them we, win we, it. I we, think. we have to pay tribute to the, the late owner of that and what, 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 he, what he achieved yeah. at Leicester City, getting the infrastructure in place. It's so good. And um, Claudio Ranieri, of course, won the league with them and then, then things went wrong for him the next season. But at the same time, the Brian Clough story, I think, the way, you know, get them promoted to the next division, win the league, get them into the European Cup, win it, and then win it again the following season. I think that is an ex- extraordinary story. Extraordinary, but, 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 he probably but, won't see it happen but, again. but he always said, I don't get too close to the players because there's always... I'm secretly trying to get rid of you. I don't want to pretend to be your best mate. And I, I can understand the thinking behind that. And he always had other advice for them. He'd say, um, young man, you always got everyone young man. Young man, nice girl you're with at the moment. Get married to her. Don't leave it too late to have children. Do you know why he said that? No. Because if you're married and you're mid, early to mid twenties and you've got children, you're not out in the clubs and the bars every True. night of the week. And do you know what? I look at that and maybe some of the ways that I manage my people at work that I don't have them. I don't hold them as close as they are my friends. That mm. we talk on a very casual level at times and I feel that gets the best out of mm. people and I think it's true and if a lot more people in life could work like that and I think you'd have a lot more success on that right? I, I think so I think so um, but he, he also used to say part of his job was knowing how to handle different personalities now Martin O'Neill again Martin O'Neill obviously became a manager in his own right but Martin O'Neill was one of his players Martin O'Neill I can't remember the exact numbers I may get these numbers wrong but he said I want to be number, number 8 rather than number 6 and Brian Clough looked at him and said, Martin, I'll, I'll give you two options. You can be, I play you number eight, you want to be number six. You can either have number eight or number 12. Which do you want? Well, number 12 is obviously a substitute. Yeah. And then Martin O'Neill, who is an intelligent man, always has been, yeah. he'll just say, you know what, some days I wonder why I come here. I could have gone to university. I, 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 I don't know why I kept the Nottingham Forest. I could have gone to university. Brian Clough walked into the dressing room on a training day one day said, Martin, I've got this for you. It's a place in Dublin University. Do you want it? <laughs> that, that was it. That, that shut him up. But again, he always used to say, knowing how to handle individual personalities is a very big part of first ball management. He said, and this is how Brian Clough puts it, he said, sometimes you've got to give them a good bollocking. Sometimes you've got to send them home with a box of chocolates. Sometimes you've got to set them up with a blonde. And he said, at one time or another, I've done all of those things. <laughs> and he, he really has. Anyway, we should take a break because it's my round. This is going to get around him. Say that again, just so people know. Marcus is getting around it. Can Thank you. you. Believe it. Thank you very much. We're back in a bit. This is actually happening, guys. Well, we're so back. Let, we're back, and um, let me just let me just uh, start. I'm just gonna cut Marcus there because he has actually bought around, and times like that when he buys. Say around, that again. When he buys around, it's time to play things like this. Whoa, a little bit of the bubbly. I 
as Chris Jericho would say. <laughs> a little bit of the public. Chris, Jer- Chris Jericho is one of the leading wrestlers of this world. AEW now. Yeah. And have you seen the latest meme that he's done? That one there that you just heard there, a little bit of the bubbly. I would talk about that a little bit because so, I, I, I don't claim to be in your league of wrestling. No, I mean, I'm not. That, I mean, that, I'm not in the league of that, big... No, I, I like let it. Me, let me say this. I used to watch a bit of WWF as it was mm. back in the day. Used to watch the old Heat program on Channel Four, oh, Sunday Night Sun- Heat, yeah. which, which was cut to pieces. They wouldn't show you the real stuff. And also, well, I think once or twice a year they'd have a PPV. On they it, did. And it they was, did. Royal Rumble was one of them, and I always remember it was the first PPV I ever watched. Hmm. And I had a TV in my room, and I was in I think year seven or eight. It was Royal. Rumble, I know where this story is going because you told Rumble me before. Two thousand and one. Yeah. And. I was like, sod it, I'm going to watch it. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the rest of it, I'm going to see what happens. And we're going to turn around and uh, check it. It was on Channel 4. And the Channel 4 programme was uh, really, really good. And um, it was, I think it was at 1am it was. And it was always my parents used to make me laugh. And say, wait, they turned around. And my parents would be like, they turn around and they would uh, try and... Sorry, it's just a little bit background noise here. They're just dragging chairs left, right, centre here. Yeah, they're, but, they're having a tidy up, but carry on. But yeah, so um, it would be Sunday night, it's 1am, and I, I'm going to sneak it in. And my parents would obviously be in the bedroom next to me asleep, and I was putting the TV on at one end, but I remember I turned the TV on, it was blasted out, I forgot to turn the volume down. That was the first one. So I turned, kept it off, kept control under my covers, and had it right down, and it started. And it went on to, it's the people bees were normally three hours, weren't they? Three yeah, hours long. That, yeah. So it was three hours long, and it would be Channel 4, it was free to air, and I watched the Royal Rumble. And so, bearing in mind, it was school days, I'd get up for school probably about quarter to seven in the morning to get ready. And I always remember trying to pour sicky because I was so tired. I remember waking up and, and I was your mum didn't fall for it. Mum didn't fall for it. And I had a big fallout. And I was like, I was so dead at school that day. But it was worth it. And that was born my love of wrestling. And since then, I've been lucky enough to go, as I've been an adult and with my job of travel, I can get quite cheap travel on flights. I've been to three WrestleManias so far. We just booked tickets for a fourth WrestleMania, which is in Tampa in April. And actually, when we go back tonight, we're going to treat Marcus to watching AEW for the first time, which yeah. is a new competitor by Tony Khan, whose dad owns Fulham. And no, the they've, they've got a contract. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, they, they've got a contract with ITV, haven't yeah. they? For, ITV4. And they, yeah, that's, and, and, and very late night repeats on the main ITV channel. It doesn't go out live on a Wednesday, but they put it on demand the following morning. So mm. it came out this morning with Dynamite yeah. last night. And that Chris Jericho thing you heard earlier was his when he won the first AEW championship at mm. the PPV completely unscripted saw a bottle of champagne at the back can and I went ooh a little bit of the bubbly can I spray it all over brilliant TV can I just say we're in an interesting dynamic at the moment if you like in terms of wrestling in this country as well because a friend of mine Fletch Law is making a name for himself in the Southwest Wrestling Promotions doing very very well I really need to go and see him very, I very, can't see him a few as well. Very, yeah, I would. I'd, I'd happily take there's you. There's none on this weekend, is there? I don't believe there is, but I'll check. Um, check. If there's something on Saturday, we'll go to it. But I don't. It's, it'll be somewhere in southwest England. We're only only an hour within where we are now. Uh, Fletch Law's making a huge name for himself in the southwest wrestling promotion. I've been meaning to have a catch up with him this year. He and I. We're very, very good friends, but we don't see each other very often these days. But he's a good man, and I'm, he got married about two less than a two-minute walk from where we are right now. So. Very happy to introduce you to him sometime, one of the, the, the certainly the, the Western region of Britain's leading wrestlers. But I think back to um, this country and where we are with things so far as wrestling goes. Both my grandfathers were very, very keen wrest- wrestling fans in the old days. 
because um, you've got to remember from about the mid 1950s up until about 1988 there was regular British wrestling on British television every week and um, my mother's father who I never knew before I was born used to go to the old wrestling dudes at Corey Hall in Cardiff and my grandfather who I remember very well the one we talked about earlier on who's buried in uh, the Lantricent area used to come into Cardiff once a week that was his generally a Monday night treat was to come into Cardiff once a week for the British wrestling he absolutely loved his wrestling and he was a, a reserved man in many ways but uh, my father always used to tell me about uh, four o'clock Saturday afternoon World of Sport on ITV World of Sport which they brought back uh, yeah, the World of Sport wrestling they have indeed I'm going on to that now my grandfather would get very animated. I can imagine. Uh, he, he would get. I think my mum's, uh, my granddad yeah. used to watch it Pe- as well. People I'm pretty it. sure they loved it. So four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, my grandfather would be sat there, and then on a Monday evening he'd come into Cardiff. At the, it would have been at the old Sophia Gardens Pavilion in those days, or the Welsh Institute of Sport, which is right next to it. And he would be there on a Monday night. That was his weekly treat. Um, and then, of course, World of Sport, the original World of Sport with Dickie Davis, ended in 1985. Dickie is now 90 years of age, he's a very sprightly 90, and Kent Walton. Kent Walton was the commentator. Hmm. He used to run nightclubs in Cardiff. He was a nightclub owner, Kent Walton. And then it, it, was, a, it was a standalone programme for another three years. And it ran on Saturday lunchtimes on ITV. Hmm. And it was Greg Dyke who pulled the plug on it in yeah. 1988. And then, from then on, really, the only place you could watch British wrestling was on S4C, on the old wrestler programme. Wrestlo, yeah. Wrestlo, Wrestlo. With, uh, Which had the most corny intro I've ever ding, seen. Ding, Obviously, ding, I, never, I never saw ding, it, but Marcus has been quietly, quietly, and sent me the clips of it, and also singing very bad intros to TV shows. <laughs> well, that's but how it went. It. Yeah. It's actually quite a good intro, but it was about... There's been a renaissance of wrestling recently, and I think what it is, is... WWE, which is WWF, has become almost, well, it's not too big for its boots. It's become so big there's no competition that challenges it, really. Monopolies are never healthy. And things it's a monopoly, life. really. Yeah. I mean, since they bought ECW in the early 2000s, mm. there's never been a real competition. You had Impact Wrestling, which was TNA, and they're still called Impact now. And it went well, to, can, it went we, to call can we Global rewind Force. a little bit? Because you, 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 we've missed a big chapter out here. In the latter days of ITD wrestling, after World of Sport finished, and we had three more years with it on a Saturday lunchtime, there was a three-way roster. There was the joint promotions, which was run by the the Crabtree family, which was Big Daddy's family. There was a big breakaway, because they they, they operated like a cartel. The the Merseyside promoter, Brian Dixon, I've seen one of his shows. I went to see him on my 19th birthday, All-Star Wrestling. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of the best wrestlers, um, including Giant Haystacks and Robbie Brookside, all moved over to All-Star Wrestling. So ITV alternated those two, joint promotions one week, All-Star the next, and on the third week, they'd have WWF, as it was then. And, and that in Before the, fi- the days of Raw and SmackDown. And all yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It, so in the, they, they did a deal with Vince McMahon. And for those fi- that final period, it was joint All-Star, WWF. Now, from a British point of view, by that stage, All-Star and Brian Dixon was superior to joint promotions, which was still run by the Crabtrees. And then into the 19, from the late 80s onwards into the 1990s, Brian Dixon, well, to this day, he's still running All-Stars, particularly in the north yeah. of England and in the holiday camp circuit in North Wales. Mm-hmm. Main Merseyside of North Wales is his territory, really. Um, you had um, Orig Williams, the late, the late Welshman, who ran his promotion on S4C, which st- started in 82. But what happened was a lot of the best, best British wrestlers went over to S4C because there was nowhere else. Now, a lot of them liked Orig because he was against the, the Crabtrees. He didn't approve the, of the cartel, the Crabtrees. I, I gather that Orig's autobiography is actually a very good read uh, because he talks about how 
they were getting annoyed with the way the, the Crabtree family were controlling British wrestling in this country and he offered them a viable alternative as well as being a great wrestler in his own right and he was yeah. so then into the 1990s ITV regions experimented with WCW which was from the States which I believe was owned Ted by Ted Turner Ted Turner Time Warner well, that was WWE's arch rival and for a long long time when the Monday mm. Night Wars mm. happened they were on top and do you know do you, do you actually remember the moment um, that it changed and WWF as the time it was called also, uh, then took back over do you remember well you tested my memory well, WWF Raw used to be pre-taped <laughs> and WCW Nitro was live mm. uh, I think that's my fact right anyway it was the night when Mick Foley won the WWF Championship and the commentator, um, who I, the name escapes me, but he said, "Could be Michael Cole." No, no, this was the WCW commentator, okay, right? And he basically told, he said to everyone watching WCW, he goes, "Oh, and to save you having to change the channel, Mick Foley wins the title on WWF Raw tonight, so no, no need to change the channel." What happened? Everyone changed the channel, and from that moment onwards. Um, WCW never got back on top, mm. and that was the end. That they say that was the end of uh, WCW. It was, um, it was Tony Sh- Tony Schiavone. That was it. Mm. Do you remember Tony Schiavone? The name rings a bell. Who's now the commentator on AEW with Jim Ross? Good old JR. Yeah. So that happened, and the uh, invasion thing happened. You know, in yeah. the early two thousands when WCW was bought by WWF, and they played off that. Now very that good, I do remember. They played that off I that very remember. good storyline when WWF versus WCW winner takes all Survivor Series and WWF won and that was the end of WCW and Shane McMahon it was all a big storyline but obviously as a kid and someone growing up that was amazing that storyline the Attitude Era when Stone Cold The Rock all of those Degeneration X William Regal Will Regal who's now NXT well, Will, William Regal let me stop you there William Regal yeah, was in wrestler wasn't he even before that he was on ITV he was an ITV wrestler in his final few years as Steve Regal the thing that frustrates me though is WWE at sort of turn of the century, not sort of turn of the century, sorry, turn of the 2010s to 2010s, they turned into PG. Mm. And I understand they needed, they wanted to be a bigger fan base of kids, but because they were untouchable and they had all the money and they've launched things like Network and they're so successful, I mean, they do WrestleMania. Don't get me wrong, I mean, from the way I'm talking, it doesn't sound like I'm a massive fan of products, but I love going to WrestleMania. Mm. It's one of those things that I always say if you can go and get to it, well, it's, it's your, what your, your marriage is like, built on, it's isn't like it? Su- it's like the Super Bowl. <laughs> your marriage is built on it, isn't it? No, more like I dragged her along to it, but I got her in by using WWE uh, Total Divas. Is your, is your wife a wrestling fan? Yes. She likes it. She'll but, go for it. But I wouldn't say she. And the funny thing is, I say she won't, but occasionally it has been known that I'll get back from work and she'll be sitting on the sofa watching Raw. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, there was nothing else on. Mm. Um, but the storylines have got so weak and the writing has got so weak now. Mm. I think that's what I was going on to say is that people are looking at other options. Mm. So you've got this AEW, which is headlined by Cody Rhodes as the main guy, and Chris Jericho is their champion. Uh, Le Champion, as he calls himself on there. But it's more authentic and it's more the rest of the people like the storylines are good they're not too intense if you know what I mean they don't make sense they're pushing the right talent everything's good and Marcus will watch this later with me when we get back to his place and I'll be interested to know his point of view but I'm from the little I've seen and I don't have time anymore to sit through three hours of Monday Night Raw 
I mean, I think three hours of Raw is just too long. The thing is, is when I've seen it live, I've gone to see, as Marcus knows, I've gone to see Raw live quite a lot of times. When it's three hours, I would only say, I'd say at least an hour of that is adverts. Mm. Because in America, as you know, if, you're, if you know about American TV, they have an advert every five minutes. Oh, I know a lot about American TV, as you look know. At the, yeah. Look at the uh, NFL. I think one of the reasons why they have the, the break so often is so they can pay for it with the commercials. Well, and that's, we, we, we that's see why. this uh, with um, <laughs> their coverage of the Premier League football, for example. You see that um, NBCSN, when they're covering Premier League football, they put these huge banner adverts up on yeah. the screen because in American television, you never go 45 minutes without an ad break. And also the thing that makes me laugh as well is you see things like that. If you look Corner, sponsored by Toyota, uh. or Instant Replay, sponsored by Southwest Airlines, or mm. Free Kick, sponsored, yeah, by, it's, it's, sponsored it's, by American it's he- Airlines. It's, it's he- like, heavy product placement. Can you know, don't get me wrong, and as Marcus knows, and my friends know, and people that know me know, I love going on holiday to America. I like the country. I mean, the exchange rate isn't as great anymore, so it's a lot harder to go because it costs me a lot more money. But, you know, you look at the things that it's brought to the UK, and, you know, wrestling is a big thing. And I know there was a big wrestling circuit before. I think it's grown a lot for it. A lot of kids love it for that reason. I mean, but then again, you look at it this week, I'm completely sort of swerving, giving a curveball here. Look what's coming next Friday, Black Friday. Mm. Up until five years ago, no, well, yeah. we didn't even know what Black Friday was, and it was only... But I, I, I'm not sure that a load of people standing outside the supermarket trying to push through the doors at bang on midnight But I mean, that was just ridiculous when you saw that. Yeah. And it hasn't I don't think been that's a healthy since. thing. And I, I always remember, because my friend Simon worked for Asda, mm. and he said to me, they, they seem to be stockpiling all this stuff in the behind the scenes. Mm. I think Asda were the real pioneers of Black Friday in the UK, because they're the ones that bought the cheap I mean for God's sake people are fighting over probably one of the worst quality TVs you can buy but because it's under 100 like if it's 100 quid for a 50 inch TV but it says something about it it's not going to be the best of quality and I mean you remember all those scenes what was it about 4 or 5 yeah, years ago it was ago. horrendous people I remember it very punching, well. like, I mean it was it was horrible I've not seen anything like it and to be honest I think it's a lot more controlled now like you'll see companies like Amazon which is you know I think almost taken over the world in terms of shopping and e-commerce and they do it very well and it is a good it's a good sale period in the run up to Christmas I think it helps a lot of businesses in certain ways because they very clever yeah. their marketing I mean I, when Marcus was uh, getting the round in as I said getting the round getting the round in getting around getting around getting around getting around I'm sure he'll forget about that and make can't go for the next four but you know hey he got the round in anyway well, that means it's his round next and I was just having a look on my phone as you do when no one's here you sit there scrolling through your phone and you, you look through the scandal of Instagram scandal of Facebook seeing people with people I thought what? what's going on but anyway I saw Lidl are doing an Xbox One for £130 with three games on Black Friday mm. in time for Christmas I mean can you imagine the amount of parents that can get that and you know it's great three games on a games console 4K games console for 130 quid. but do you know what James I, I wish we would respect our own traditions more now one of the big changes I've seen in my lifetime mm. is, the, is the growth of Halloween and the demise of Guy Fawkes Night mm. a lot of people don't even know what Guy Fawkes Night is about anymore and mm. I, I, I think that is a shame and Apart other, from of this year, when uh, I wish Guy Fawkes would go up and blow up Parliament again, but that's well, another story. Well, we've got to be careful. We, we don't, even jokes, we've got to be careful with nowadays because we don't yeah, want. Yeah, we don't offend the snowflakes. Inc- but, you know, inciting violence. Yeah, can't, we can't that. offend the snowflakes. No, 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 but yeah, go back to what you're saying about Halloween. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's greed, isn't it? Like I remember one year, and this was still when I was with my parents, mm. and I always remember it. I'm pretty sure it was my parents. And my mum, after this, refused, knocked on the door, and had some sweets. I'm pretty sure kids said, "Have you not got any money?" Instead, I'm like, "What?" Do you know what, James? How can you say that? I used to... Money! Always, this, this always sticks in my mind. I used to attend a church 
and there was a priest who was still very much around. He's still not very old now, actually. And every Christmas morning, he used to say to the kids, can you all gather around me in a horseshoe? Everyone gather around. And then he'd, he'd begin, and he would say, what have you had for Christmas? <laughs> and a lot of the hands would shoot up, very excited. I've had an Xbox, I've had a football, I've had a doll's house, whatever. He said, okay, very nice. Let me ask you the next question. What did you have last Christmas? What did you have last Christmas? No excited hands this remember. time. No, hang on, a, load, a, a small number would tentatively put their hands up very, very sheepishly, and they could just about answer you. And he'd say, okay. He'd say, okay. What did you have two Christmases ago? Not one hand would go up, never. And he did this several years in a row. Not one hand would go up amongst all those excited people. And then he would say, okay, thank you, children. I'm going to ask the rest of the congregation. Anyone here today, now, this morning, what did you have two Christmases ago? And with all the adults of all ages, none would remember. And the sad thing is, as I sit here now, and I think, what did I, you know, yeah, the usual. But this is why me and my wife, Vicky, we now sort of say to each other, we'd rather, we get some small things, some tokens, you know, and she says, I'm so difficult to buy for, because if you know me, you know what I'm like, I'm technologically, I'm a geek, I'm a techno geek, I've got every gift and gadget in the world, so what day people get me, I don't know. But I always say to Vicky, we'll put it towards a holiday, and as you know, we can't go on as many holidays as we can, fit it in, we'd rather go, or go for a nice meal, or go on a trip, like, we'll go, and we always go in and run up for Christmas, we always go across to Calais and have a little bit of a booze cruise, like, get, fill up on some wine. And that's what I'd much prefer to do rather than going to, you know... Uh, and all, all that is true. All that is... And I credit to you for doing that. But he would always end his sermon by saying this. He said, all this stuff we fret about, all this shopping and panicking, it passes very quickly. And then what's, what you're left with, if you think back to the Christmases of your childhood... What do you really remember? You don't really remember the presents that well. You remember. I remember getting Legos and stuff. Because yeah. yeah, this is the thing that's great. Because when if I'm lucky enough to have kids, I will be. I worry about it in more ways than one because I've seen kids of a young age fixated by iPads. Mm iPhones, people getting phones. I mean, when I worked at Carlton Warehouse, my former employers, and this is going back, what, when did I work for last? Probably 2009, I think oh, it was, yeah, a good yeah. 10 years. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be. I remember one, I left just before Christmas, yeah. I think, it was just after Christmas, yeah. so I worked the last Christmas season. Yeah, it was before I started at BMI in British Midland, so I left in the New Year, so March time of 2009, and that Christmas, I always remember, like, selling a family, I put a dad a phone for an iPhone for an eight-year-old girl, an iPhone. This was the original iPhone 3G, so this was how I've lost count. I don't use iPhones anymore. You know, I'm quite anti iPhones, patchy, but you know, and um, turn around. Yeah, Marcus is recording this on an iPhone, so I just remember that. So yeah, I've just shot myself in the foot. But anyway, and I could not believe that an eight-year-old girl was getting an iPhone. I barely got an iPhone before that because it was such state of the art. But, but, and the sad thing is, is I remember when I was a kid, I would be out to, I remember shouting me in the door, playing football in the close that we used to live in, football in the front garden of some um, number one's house, it was number one ministry way in Nottingham. And they had a big little thing we used to use as garages of gold. You ain't there no more, by the way. I'm not there. Don't, no don't, don't stop me. I'm yeah. there. But, um, it was crazy, and I, I loved that. And I still love when I see. I mean, we don't live in a place anymore. Where it's got many kids, but the place we used to live, there, there used to be a big green, and you used to always see kids living out. And I loved seeing kids playing at night because I think they're not holed up inside on their Xboxes. Don't get me wrong, I love my Xbox, but now the only time I ever play my Xbox is when my wife's away. <laughs> I've got nothing else to do because I'm so busy. I ain't got time to buy. It. So when the next PlayStation comes out next year, I will eventually get one, but it won't be at launch paying five hundred quid for it. 
the, the probably be the following Black Friday to end where I started on this with that priest the greatest gift you will give anyone this Christmas is your time whether it's your wife your family anybody the greatest gift you can give anybody is your time because all the other stuff fades into insignificance very quickly and we forget it when I think back to the Christmases when I was a kid I think about people who aren't with us anymore and all things pass you know and I always say that I, the best present for me at Christmas is spending time with people that are close to me because exactly. I look forward to, with my work this year, I'm not going to be mm. around people at Christmas because I've got to be working. But mm. at the end of the day, best Christmas is when we're all around the table mm. having a good old turkey and having a good old laugh. And, and there's, there's other drink, basic... falling asleep on the sofa and my old man's washing up in the kitchen and yeah. I'm falling asleep, we're pissing around. And then looking at maybe, you know, some of the Boxing Day sales online now. And you know what, it's nice. And my parents have got a real log fire. Sadly, I won't be there this year, but that's life. Mm. But, yeah, my parents are still yeah, here, but I'm just that's, not there that's, for work. That's, that's but, part of you know, life, People yeah. move on. But, you know, the thing is, at the end of the day, I think if people could go around with the motto that and I think a lot of kids nowadays, they don't know any better, but they want all the presents because people at school will be getting all the presents. But if, you know, if the kids would start to grow up and say, oh, I just want to be with my family. Yeah. And you know, I'd always I mean, the other day we walked into Waitrose, or what's it called? No, Waitrose, John Lewis and Partners, as it's now called. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, 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 And we had a look around, and they're all preparing for their Black Friday stuff. They've got mm. TVs stacked galore, so you're ready mm. to drop the prices. And you know one thing that really brought back memories for me and Vicky is um, they had a little shopping trolley, a Waitrose shopping trolley for sale and a Waitrose cash register. Mm. And that took me back to the day where, and Vicky had one as well, and I don't know if you remember them, McDonald's did a little play set and it was a big sort of, the size of a kid, three foot tall thing, and it was like a drive-thru and you had a till and you had some plastic burgers and plastic fries and plastic nuggets. And you know what? It just reminds me of that was what it's playing, it's the imagination, it's mm. physical rather than visual and I loved that and Vicky was like I, I had one as well and I don't know if you remember them but it's like you know you have the modern day chef sets and stuff you know you get the toys well, for well, sets I'll be honest like I, I'm just glad I grew up when I did because I okay I didn't grow up in the era the 1960s of people leaving their doors open and everyone playing outside and you could walk into anyone's house and they'd give you a piece of cake and all that. I didn't grow up in that world. I did grow up in a world where games consoles were really starting to come in but throughout it, my childhood. But, it wasn't but it's not like it is now. Was it? Well, I, I think my... I PS, had, when did PS1 come out? That was oh, when, oh, that 95? Uh, I had my PS in... Christmas '96, so it must have been '95. It came that out. That I do remember because I remember I got one and. Uh, but I had I had a Nintendo NES. So because uh, hello, uh, Uncle Brendan uh, told me a way to get cheap games, and we'll leave it at that. But uh, that's the reason yeah, I got. PS1. I, I, I had the Nintendo, the NES. I never had a SNES. I, I never, a, I never had any Nintendo console until I got my. Um, Actually, no, I had a Game Boy, the original Game Boy. And that yeah, was brilliant. but they lasted a long time, mind you. But now, yeah. I, when I was they, in, they when I was in Japan in April, I got the new Switch, and that's brilliant for me on my travels. It's fun because you can take it with you and you can play it on a big TV. Mm. But I remember I got the Xbox at launch, the original Xbox, and I was so excited. We went to, do you remember Electronics Boutique? It was yeah, called. I do, I remember it. Well. We went to Electronics Boutique in Bromley at midnight, picked up the, and the next day I was having a sleepover from my best mates from school, um, and we all played Xbox, and it was so much fun. Halo, and playing mm. Halo. That was so exciting, but I now think, oh, that was expensive. Yeah, but we, we, we both, you're only a little bit younger than But me. I still love Lego, you know. Yeah, I, I oh, yeah, Lego. I know you do. I, I mean, I don't go build, I, I build the big sets. Like, I've got Hogwarts Castle, I've got the Walt Disney but, but didn't, Castle. Didn't, didn't we, let's be honest now, we grew up in a more innocent time in so far as like we weren't obsessed with gadgets every minute of the day. I think but the we, best gadget was Tamagotchi. <laughs> do that, you remember Tamagotchi? Yeah, that came in about 97, 98. Yeah. But I, I, what I do remember 
is basic stuff like Saturday morning telly when it was good. Live and kicking. Well, going before. Going live. Yeah, going live was before live and kicking. Gordon the Gopher. <laughs> yeah, that was Philip Schofield. Oh, Philip Schofield. And o- over on ITV, you had um, Motormouth and Ghost Train. Ghost Train was my favourite. And that went into SMTV, do you remember? That, that came out? years later. Yeah, that was the competitor against going live and live and no, kicking. Yeah, that came years later because it was Ghost Train. Uh, Ghost Train was good. And that its successor was Gimme Five. Yeah, you would do. Do you remember talk about five? Do you remember High Five with Fred Dynish, like the science program? That was called How. How to? How to? That was it. No, it was How, and then How to. Yeah. Well, How. You might not know this based on what you just said. The original How was from the seventies with Fred Dynish. Oh really? How to was our generation, and that was that dude, that, that Welsh guy, wasn't Gareth. Gareth, what was it? Gareth G- Jones, G-Wiz or something. What was his name? Gareth Jones. Carol Vorderman G- was on it. Was it Carol Vorderman yeah. was on it. Yeah. Was it G Top or something? What was his nickname? Yeah, I know the guy you mean. But yeah, our generation was how to, um, and that was part of CITV. And it's still funny that my local um, Meridian Fred is still is, there. Fred is still but, there. But, but people, people anchor. don't know this. You see, Fred Gaz Top. That was yeah. it. Do you remember? Ga- yeah, I remember. Do, do you know? Just how influential Fred Dynage has been. You might not. No, I know he's a, uh... Let me tell you a bit about Fred Dynage. He was a newsreader on ITV Yorkshire and did regional programs for them in the 70s. When Dickie Davis was on his summer break from World of Sport, Fred was the presenter. He's done quite a bit for ITV Sport over the years, right? Fred is also, was also pretty close to the Craig family. Craze. The craze. Oh, really? Now, when Ronnie Cray was in Broadmoor in the 1980s, yeah. he wanted his autobiography written, a ghostwriter for his autobiography. His first <coughs> choice, knowing what he knew, was Fred, Fred Dynage. Mm. Fred tells a great story. He pulled up outside Broadmoor, a psychiatric institution, got out of his taxi or whatever, he was walking along the, the wall along, so he, he got to the main entrance. A very posh car pulled up alongside him. Hello, Fred. How are you? All right, thank you, yeah. Going to see Ronnie Cray, are you? Yeah, yeah. You'll do a good job, won't you? Yeah, yeah. You'll do, you'll do a good job for him, yeah? Yeah, of course. All right, thank you. Car drove off. They're just marking his card. That would shit me up. That would really scare yeah. me. That would really, really... So in Fred went, through all the security, number of sit-down sessions, ghostwriting the autobiography. Fred published the autobiography. It got published... There was a big national newspaper campaign get Fred Dynage off children's TV. He's close to the craze. Never happened, but he was an enemy for a while of certain Funny quarters. that, I never knew that. That's how for now. That's how. <laughs> so, so Fred, obviously, I just mentioned his links to ITV Sport, in particular ITV Sport, links to the craze, children's telly. Obviously, he was the last person to appear on TVS and one of the first to appear on Meridian. Oh, really? Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve 1992, TVS, um, their, their farewell programme, Midnight Struck, and he was one of the first faces on Meridian. And sadly now the Meridian studios have all been demolished and there's now a housing well, estate Not all, on it. not all, not no, all. No, they have the housing. They're now, well, they're, the they're the now news has got to come from somewhere. No, 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 the original ones. The, ah, and now they're, yeah. in, they're now they're in an industrial estate in back end of Southampton. Yeah, and they've also, they've also got a news gathering service at the old they're Mainstone old, Studios, yeah, which, old, which were the old TBS studios. And they're old Riverside Studios. Seems we're on the subject of TBS, I'd just like to wish David Morris-Jones, their former head of news and Fred Dynage's old boss, a full recovery 
from his illness because um, David is a legend of journalism. He is. Will he listen to this? Yeah. Does if he? I send it to him, I will. Yeah. Nice. I nice. speak to his daughter quite often. Here's to David. Then. Da- David, like David, David Morris Jones worked for BBC Wales from about 1963 until about 1988. He was headhunted by Greg Dyke, became head of news at TVS. And he took my Davis with him because Fern Britain was scaling back her commitments to TVS News and my Davis, the Welsh girl. So in uh, this morning. Yeah, sir, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it used to be Fern and Fred on TVS News. And my Davis was David's signing. And he took her to TVS. And David stayed there till they lost their franchise at the end of 92. Came back to Wales, um, took a senior job at HTV Wales, and then, cut a long story short, retired in the early 2000s. And he is the ultimate hyper-local journalist. Yeah. He set up the Penarth News blog. He committed to... Oh, is that the kind of... Yeah, da- David Morris-Jones. He committed himself to updating it three times a day, roughly, every single day for several years. Well, it went on for a good five years. He's 79 now, David, and unfortunately he was admitted to hospital in September. And I'm afraid that... The years have caught up with him a little bit and it's now a bit much for him. But I hope we haven't heard the last of David because he can't stand Stephen Doughty as much as I can't. Steve- right, we said we're not getting political on here. No, but I'll make an exception. No. <laughs> I'm editing it, mate. It's up to me. Stephen Doughty threatened to sue David Morris-Jones and he never went through with it. Anyway, Christmas is coming soon. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Could have fooled me. Black Friday next week. <laughs> What's that all about? No, it's it's, no. it's crazy how the yeah. I mean, going back to the whole start of the subject, how how quick the year's gone. You know, Marcus has done very well in getting himself across the media. Like, he's cheers, on, uh, thank you, I appreciate. He's that. been on Talk Sport a lot with uh, and Talk Radio with uh, Paul Ross. Yeah, he's uh, been on Sputnik. Continued to be on Sputnik. He even got interviewed by Russian TV and Turkish and Turkish. Well, you were on the uh, phone, weren't you? On Turkish TV, was it? Like I was. A, I was a phone guest because they couldn't get a camera to me in time. There was a studio discussion so, yeah. on a Turkish news channel, and I was the guy speaking over the phone. So I've had quite a good year. And um, I guess at the end of the day, let's see what 2020 brings. I mean, I mean, we've still got a month and a half left. Of, we have, of we, 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 we have, and we're not going to get political. And we, and we saw, we saw the end of, we saw the beginning of 2019 in a bar in Worthing, which I think we may have talked about in the last one. But it was a what? It was, it was, it was such. Can a I just, can I just say this because I think it's important? It was a very, very good night out. But it was random very. as well, was it? Because we, we all said like Marcus had come and spent New Year down with me and my wife in Worthing and on the south coast of the UK, and we said look, we, we could easily. Worthing, if you don't know, it's just about 30 minutes along the coast from Brighton, probably about 10, 15 miles. Um, and we said that we could go into Brighton and spend a fortune getting taxis and trains, club entries and everything like that. Like, everyone gets ripped off New Year. Or, as me and Vicky were new, it was our first New Year, in, properly New Year in Worthing. Let's go and see what some of the bars got. So we got we got, um, we got a bus into town, didn't we? Yeah, we, we got did. the bus, because the uh, bus, yeah. bus goes near our house into town. We booked a taxi back from about one I think it's one forty-five in the morning and don't get me wrong it was it was a little bit slow start. it was a nice crowd but it was quite slow I liked it because it? it was chilled out and it was chilled I liked it because nice I'm getting more chilled out we went as to I get a bar older called the Cow and Oak which is what we ended a night in we went to the old bicycle store I think it's called mm. went to another pub called the Egremont so the old bicycle store had a sort of was it a house DJ or was it doing a live was yeah. it a live broadcast for a radio yeah it was, was it? community radio station and they did that and the Cow and Oak just had basically it was no band or it was like basically 
free reign on the jukebox on Spotify. Play what you want. And the Agramont, we went in. I think it had just reopened from a fire, so it was quite chilled and there wasn't really much going on. We had a quick, we had a glass of prosecco, I think, and something. Then we just went back to the Caron Oak. Saw midnight in at the Caron Oak, and then as I always say to people and describe it, it literally went from naught to sixty within about twenty minutes, wasn't it? And we started playing all the indie rock anthems. I got some Welsh music. You on. did. You I got. You got, got a bit of Maddox and a bit of the phonics on. It was. I think that goes to show one of the old rules that I've believed in for years yeah. the best night outs nights out are often the spontaneous ones and they are the, one, all, the, ones, the, the ones where you're not trying too hard the, one where, the ones where you're just going with the flow the ones where you, you think now some of the things that have been over planned in your life have been a bit crap some of the nights out that have been yeah, overly they, you kind of you kind of over plan it you think but I think the thing that was nice is that I mean for anyone that knows me now I'm one of my best radio stations I flip between mainly Radio X and Absolute Radio well no you mainly, love... you mainly listen to Radio Sputnik and Talk Sport oh of course yeah, yeah of course, course yeah. Yeah, but of when course, I don't listen to those things which is uh, 90% of the time uh, I listen I to uh, I listen to Radio X you're and, missing uh, all the fun Absolute, absolute Radio yeah. And, yeah. because I've got to an age now and I still love my dance music and all that but I love indie rock music yeah. and I love singing along to those tunes that, you know like we got the stereos on we got the manics we got the killers on Mr. Brightside I mean it wasn't Mr. Brightside that we literally come in yeah. Yeah, like yeah. a bit like Nevin Swansea yeah. but you know uh, it was it was one of those things and it just it was just a brilliant night and we all thought 1.45 in the morning would be almost too late and we wish we, we asked them if they could delay it but they were like you're not going to get another taxi mm. and we were like oh shit all, all rubbish and we were kind of like oh my god like we're not going to be able to get that taxi so we had to go home but we didn't want to go home yeah, did we it was, it was a weird I mean this new year we're not going to be able to do the same I'll be in my bed somewhere because I'm doing well, I'll come and see with Worthingville we'll come and do it we'll, have to, we'll try and go on a Saturday night or something have a good old night out when something's going on maybe not in January because it's normally quite quiet in January but you know I like day, January because no one wants anything from you try and get you try and get you yeah. to a Worthing FC game and yeah. see what 2020 brings but I mean I think to wrap this up how would you yeah. sum up 2019 for yourself well I, I would say well point one we haven't finished yet because we've got a general election next month that's true um, and that's going to be a very interesting run we, we said to each other before this we said look as, as anyone that knows Marcus's talk blog uh, talk podcast services he knows it, it's quite I would say it's more of a political yeah you, know, you get your political opinion which is nothing wrong with yeah. but we always like to look on the podcast and I like talking it's nice to talk about something else we come down yeah. to the uh, Mount Stewart in Cardiff Bay um, this is the second one we've done here hopefully we can do the third one in Worthing down my end the woods will go somewhere and at the end of the day maybe we can get special guest Simon Mallin on board see what, see what he's got that's a bit see risky what you never know that's you a bit risky, know. A bit risky. I, don't want, I don't want a drop in quality yeah you know yeah. Ooh, 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 he's lighting the fire James, James can, fire. I, can I ask you something can I ask you something why aren't you podcasting regularly you know what it is like, and you've asked me before for top, top podcast it's, it's time Right, okay, 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 let me stop you there. We're sat here in a pub. There's me, there's you, there's a microphone, there's a phone. We're radio quality sound. Doesn't cost me anything much, really. You travel all around the world, you see some beautiful places, you meet some incredible people. 15 minutes of you telling us where you are and what you're up to. See, Marcus is trying to pawn me out here, isn't he? No, He's no, trying no, to pawn no, me well, out. Not, not really. well, I'm just, I'm just let, saying, I'm just saying, just say, let's I just understand. Say watch this space. I, we have I tried it before, we've tried it before, and I just, 
I understand. I just think it's just for me at the moment with my time. My time is very precious. As anyone that knows me, and I'm not going to go into this. But you never shut up. It's dead easy for you. I never shut up. It's dead easy for you. But then we've got we've got a visual. Yeah, but it's not as easy if you if you came down to visit me more often. Maybe you know. I'm happy to come and see you whenever you invite me. But you're always welcome. But hey, maybe 2020 we can change that. But at the end of the day. I think we look at 2020, we've always said we're not going to call political, but I think the next few weeks... It's going to be. It's There's nothing to do about that. And we're not going to. Yeah. We're not going to go into big political rant because uh, both uh, me and Marcus are very sort of aligned in our political beliefs, uh, yeah. and which may be more outspoken than others. But hey, what will happen on the 12th of December will happen on the 12th of December. Hopefully, it's the way we want, and hopefully, certain things can be implemented, and we'll leave it at that. But I think 2020, we hope we get a good. Good start to it. Let's just say that. Well, let's let's get Brexit done. This is what the people voted for. It's what the people wanted. Let's get Brexit done. And none of this absolute rubbish of trying to flaunt it. Um, There are certain parties and political. We voted leave. We meant leave. We haven't changed our minds. And I think my ballot paper and your ballot paper said exactly the same thing. Leave the European Union, remain in the European Union. We voted leave and we meant leave. And if you're you're listening to this before the 12th of December and you're undecided, if you want democracy to be respected, you know what way you need to vote. If you listen to it after the 12th of December, when hopefully all of this rubbish is done and dusted and we've got the result we wanted, hopefully you'll realise that. And if the slight chance it hasn't gone the right way, then... I don't like to think about it and I think it's going to be awful but let's end it there what should we end on a high note let's end I want to, high I, what are we drinking that's well, not I'm what we drinking, haven't told I'm them. drinking a caramel stout and you're drinking fireside ale fireside ale I so. don't know what brewery it's from but it's very good and it's very nice Fantastic. and it's now coming to the end of it and I guess we're coming to the end of this second podcast which has been a pleasure as per usual yeah, always a pleasure um, to see you James hopefully we can take the podcast on tour down to Sussex <laughs> in the new year mm-hmm. and then we can maybe have a little five minutes and see what what maybe happened with Brexit and the uh, and the general election, and, and then talk and about what happened over our Christmas period. Absolutely true, and also of course, twenty minute topic will be with you every week for the foreseeable future, anyway. But James will be returning to talk podcast in twenty twenty. That is an absolute guarantee. In the new year, we'll see you then. And if any of you have any ideas or any topics you want us to talk about, get in touch with uh, at Marcus Stead on Twitter mm. or at Mister Worldwide eighty eight on Twitter as well. So a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Cheers.